Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. First, As always, I thank all of my listeners and readers for tuning in and for spreading the word about Movie Beat to your friends and your industry connections. I thank you for your emails, your phone calls, your feedback, and your support. The official website is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's Rex Sykes. That's my name. That's the official website. And you can subscribe to the official website right there at the welcome page with the RSS feed button. That way you're always going to be updated to changes in the website, uh, cast and crew listings, uh, these interviews, articles, events, premieres, networking, all the different kinds of things that go on, my rants, my raves, you know, uh, so subscribe. You'll be glad you did. Uh, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that is why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. Now, keep in mind, if you're listening to this live, you can leave comments right where you are right there. If you're listening to it archived, there are a hundred other fabulous interviews that you can listen to right there at the website on the interviews blog in the archives. You just click on the name of the guest, and inside, there'll be a link that says Rex Sykes Chats With. It's bold, and it says to listen live. But to listen, you know, go ahead and click on it. You can listen live. You can listen archived anytime 24-7. But the other good news is that all of these interviews are available through iTunes, absolutely free, no charge. Just go and subscribe, and uh, and you can get all of the interviews right there on your phone or your computer or your touch or whatever your electronic device is. But you'll have it with you uh, to learn from and to listen to. Now, uh, you can also join us at Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook or the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Group. Uh, just go to my profile or search it on Facebook. And the Twitter address is Rex Sykes Movie Beat, but the last word is abbreviated. It's just R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S-M-O-V-I-E-B-T. So be sure to join us uh, on Twitter or follow us on Twitter as well. Um, there's lots of news at the website. Go check out the different blogs about upcoming events, uh, both locally here and around the world, and articles that you're going to want to read. I'm thrilled, and I know you are. You're going to be thrilled with my guest today, and we're going to get to him in just a second, but I do want to mention some of the upcoming guests. Um, next up is uh, Julie Richardson, a producer of the movie Collateral with Tom Cruise. Uh, Peter Marshall is a director and the director uh, First AD. He's a uh, done our first AD series. We're doing the uh, director series together. Eric Morris, an acting coach and author of about five books, is uh, going to be here. John Paul Rice, producer. Eduardo Ballerini, actor, who's in the movie No God, No Masters, with today's guest, Terry Green, the director. Uh, we'll be talking to Terry in just a few moments. Sam Oster, writer, director, and cameraman. Uh, we had Sam on with Sam Whitwer, 
who's coming back in April, who is also in No God, No Mastery. So uh, this is becoming kind of a, of a, of a very cool uh, event for us here at Movie Beat where we've got uh, cast and crew members. We've had Dwayne Journey, the line producer. We've had Bruce Resnick, the script supervisor. So we're learning a lot about uh, the process of making movies around No God, No Master. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Terry in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about film funding and how to get financing for your movies. We'll also cover topics like the appropriateness of casting, uh, how you find the right story content, and just so much more. Now, we might not get to all of it today, but Terry's going to be coming back at other times. Uh, we've scheduled a second interview, and, 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 and there will be more, so you're going to want to hang in and uh, be sure to listen. Uh, Rocky Lang is an author, producer, and a director. Patrick Giraldi is a post-sound supervisor uh, and a re-recording mixer. Director-producer Uva Boll is coming up, and the visual effects supervisor from District 9 and, and uh, Twilight Saga Eclipse, uh, John Cowley, will round out the month of March. And so those are uh, guests that I know you're going to want to stay tuned to and uh, come back for. Uh, but right now, today, we've got director Terry Green, and he's got 25 years of practical experience in the entertainment industry with 13 years managing a successful motion picture company. Now, he's an award-winning uh, writer and director, and he's got with the access to the highest levels of talent, production staff, and project financing. He's the CEO of Strata Productions, Inc., a Los Angeles uh, uh, a company uh, founded in Los Angeles in 1997. And he's financed $20 million in private equity for the production of three feature films, amassing over 750 financial partners in the past 13 years. And so we're going to be talking about film funding. Uh, but he's, uh, his other films have won numerous awards. It's almost Salinas and Heaven's Fall. His current uh, project is uh, No God, No Masters, which is in post-production. It, it shot here in Milwaukee, where I am at currently. And uh, we're going to bring Terry on in just a second. Terry, are you there? I'm here. Good morning, Rex. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have done a lot, and, uh, and uh, you know, you cover a lot of bases. You write, you direct, your company produces, um, you, you have a partner. Your your wife is a partner in your company as well. You've you've got Strata, and you now have created a, a new company as well. Correct in 2010, uh, Windstorm Entertainment. Yes, that that's correct. We created an affiliate of our production entity, Strata, and uh, Windstorm is actually a company that's uh, designed to uh, strictly to finance and to gap finance uh, motion pictures. Awesome. Awesome. I just want to remind all of the listeners, in case I haven't said it already, that the chat room is open. I don't take other calls, but I do take questions, uh, and my guests will take questions from the chat room. So if you're calling in, uh, please be sure to, uh, to visit the chat room instead. Um, awesome, Terry. Uh, well, so let, let me ask you this. Let's start with uh, an introductory question. How did you become involved in filmmaking? How did you become a filmmaker? What was your path? Well, I uh I got started a little bit late, Rex. I uh I was uh I was a theater actor and director for several years, so uh my story is not like most. I didn't go to film school. I uh I was around 38 years old when I finally got into film and it was because I had a script that I had written that I wanted to make into a movie and it was a very small movie. I thought it was very manageable and uh 
And they also had some friends in California at about that time that had begun to finance uh, low-budget independent features. And uh, I went out there and, and, and really got uh, an apprenticeship over a, a period of, say, a year and a half and learned how to sell <laughs> investments in independent films and then came back and started Strata Productions with the sole intent of making one movie uh, and then after, you know, it took quite a while to finance that film. It wasn't overnight, and even the budget was only a million and a half dollars. But um, once I got that completed, I, I, I found myself with the company. <laughs> so we just continued to finance and make movies, and it's uh, so now we've done three. Uh, but it all started really with um, – with a screenplay, and just like any other, you know, um, aspiring filmmaker, a screenplay that I wanted to direct. So I, uh, I, I didn't have a, I, I'd never been on a movie set before in my life. I'd been on television sets. I didn't know really one end of the camera from the other. Um, but I knew I wanted to make a movie. Uh, so I wrote this script called Almost Salinas, and um, wasn't sure what I was going to do, and uh, by way of you know getting it made. But the first step we took, and the most important step, was that we, we hired a, an entertainment attorney who, who formed a, a limited liability company for us, an LLC, put together all the legal documents that are necessary to raise money for a movie, and then we, we set out on that path. And it was a long haul for, for quite a few months before we really figured out how to do it properly. And eventually we got the movie made, and it, and it stars uh, John Mahoney from the TV show Frasier. It stars uh, Virginia Madsen, who was uh, an Academy Award nominee for Sideways. It, uh, it's, uh, also in the movie was uh, Academy Award nominee Lindsey Krauss. And we made that movie in Central California, and that was really the beginning of Strata Productions. Well, that's awesome. Now, you, you, you made an important point, that one of the beginning things that you did was you got an entertainment attorney and you created an LLC. Uh, then what do you do? I mean, you know, where do you go from there? You've got the company, and and uh, you, you know you want to make a movie, and you're going to do casting, and you're going. To, I mean, are there some nuts and bolts or or, or procedural steps you could illuminate us on uh, well, to in terms of, of what of what what follows the creation of the company and how you how you got from there to pre-production and into production? I, I guess in a nutshell. Yeah, I uh well, first of all, you you know, you're going to be if you're going to take this path of independent financing, you're going to be responsible for every dollar you raise, and that means you've got to go out and find the money, and once you get the money, you're going to be responsible for how that money is spent. So, that's a different path than taking your script to, you know, a major agency or or or, or somewhere in Hollywood and trying to find somebody else to write you the big check. You know, we did this in increments of ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar investments for our first film, and uh, and that's uh, that means that means getting some people together, and and uh, who can help sell the picture for you. And basically, what we did was we just talked to everybody we knew. We asked for referrals from every qualified investor we could we could get in touch with, and it was a very slow start, you know, process starting out. But that snowballed over a period of time. I mean that 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 process took almost three years to finance a little million and a half dollar movie. They, you know, and when we didn't know what we were doing in the beginning, there was also the learning curve of trying to figure out exactly, well, what, what how do you sell a movie uh, investment to 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 you know Joe Average? I mean, what, what's he looking for? And so you you really go down the road of educating yourself on on how to sell securities and how to, you know, how to basically become a good um, 
salesman, <laughs> because that is what right. it takes, I think, anywhere you go. I think it was Werner Herzog, a, a director, I think, that once said, they said, how did you get your movies financed? Um, and he said, well, I, I, I just told everybody I met, whether I was at the bar or wherever I was at, that I wanted to make a movie, and there was an opportunity for you. And, I, and there wasn't anybody I didn't talk to, and that's really what it takes to get something like this off the ground. Wow. Well, that's good advice. Uh, so from there, um, let's 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 do that. Well, let's let's talk film funding, um, and 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 let's do it with a caveat that we're not dispensing financial advice and we're not dispensing legal advice. Those things they always need to check into. They have to check with you know the trade commission and you know and all the appropriate parties that uh, that govern you know raising and and money and and distributing funds and things like that. But you have, you know, you've done it and you've done it successfully for these three features now and and uh, you, you have a new company that you've created for raising money. So great to talk to you and, and get your advice and your insight and your suggestions and tips. So uh, how do you finance your films? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I get asked that question a lot, by the way, when I'm at film festivals and, and the this sort of um, there are a few there, there's more than one way to the waterfall first of all I mean there's there's not one way to do this if you have the rich uncle or the angel investor congratulations you might just get your movie financed by one guy but typically those guys are not out there in in uh, you know in, in in a bundle so you have to go find them and and I think the key for us is is that you just have to make sure that what you're doing is legal along the way. Uh, there are states uh, that have uh, securities laws that you know they they want to make sure that if you're going to be selling investments to you know people in their state that you do it by the book, and so you 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 need to you need to get educated about what all that means because when you decide to do, take this route, you're not just a writer director anymore. You're the you're the president or CEO of a of a corporation that is responsible for that money, and. Uh, but you're going to have to get your pitch together. I hate to say it that way because that's really what it is. You're going to have to decide, you know, why would somebody invest in this particular film? What are the advantages of investing in film? And um, and and that's that's a part of the learning curve that 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 you just have to go through. And and I I, I can't tell you there's one way to do it. I can only tell you that there are people out there that will write you a check if approached properly. Do you have any tips or suggestions as to how they might be approached? And also, and, and before and we for, before we get into that, um, you mentioned before, you know, that the states, you know, will have laws governing, you know, securities and 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 and, and soliciting funds, um, but the laws may vary, very. very Strongly from state to state, and so you need to know which state laws you're, you know, what state, what the state laws you're dealing with. In fact, they do. I mean, every state, every state has its own set of securities laws. Uh, you have to file your, uh, register your offering in each state that you're selling in. It's called a blue sky filing, mm -hmm. and um, and then you need to you need to find out from the state you're soliciting in exactly what those rules are because you don't want to walk, you know, cross over the line and. Um, we made some of those mistakes early on. You know, most of these people have laws, uh, states have laws about, you know, cold calling residents. They don't want it to happen. So you're going to have to amass a group of referrals um, and, and a list of people. One guy leads you to four others, and those four lead you to four more. And that's just the, that's the, um, 
you know, you're, you're, that's the, the difficult part about it is you're going to spend 90% of your time, uh, if you do it the way we did it, finding the money and only 10% of your time actually making the movie. So there's nothing really too romantic about that. And um, I spend most of my day uh, training other people how to raise money. And that has to do with just how you approach an investor. And, and, and the, only, the only thing I can really say about it, Rex, is that they're looking for, you know, somebody they can trust. They're looking for honesty. They're looking for, obviously, a financial opportunity. But they're looking for a real, a real investment. And um, it's not a used car sales pitch. It's, uh, it's basically, a, you know, it's a very soft sell. It's not for everybody. There are also particular investors, types of investors in certain states that you can or cannot approach. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, they need to be qualified investors in most states. In other words, accredited investors. And these are people that have uh, uh, an income and uh, or net worth that, that uh, qualifies them to make such an investment. So they're trying to avoid basically you selling, you know, 40-year annuities to 80-year-old women. I mean, that's what these, these right. laws are designed to do is to protect the elderly and the people that are not savvy and should not be making this investment. So all I will say is this, is that you want to be careful about whose dollars you take because you're responsible for those dollars. And that leads me to just one other thing. For those of you who have uh, relatives uh, that you think can finance your movie, that is even harder money to live with at the end if you, if you, um, if you don't succeed at what you do because it is family money. You want to try, if you can, to go out and stay outside the immediate family and, and, and see if you can't find people who are looking at this strictly as an investment and aren't giving you money because they like you. Good point. So, Good point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably all I can say about it other than it is a, uh, it is, it is a very tedious, not very glamorous uh, way to, to make a movie, but it is, a, it is a very possible way to make a movie. Well, with the funding, you also have to, you do have to be careful to, uh, to make the appropriate disclaimers about the investment, correct? Well, yes, the offering that, that the entertainment attorney is going to put together for you um, should contain all of the disclosures, all of the risks that are involved. It's, it's, it's a 70 or 80 page document. Uh, Mark Richardson, my, my attorney in Santa Monica, has, uh, who I've been working with for a dozen years, puts together all of my offerings. He does the majority of my legal work. And um, there is a proper way to put together such an offering, and whether it's for a half a million or $10 million, there's a way to do it. But you need to have a plan in place before you even do that to know how you're going to raise that money. And most attorneys' fees for such an offering might be anywhere from five to $25,000, depending on you know, who you call. So you're going to need a little bit of startup money or, or at least convince somebody, uh, a good entertainment attorney, that you're worth investing in. And um, so that process of getting the offering put together, registering the documents where you're going to sell it, getting your sales pitch in order, and figuring out how you're going to approach these people is, is all part of the process. Now, there's also a concern with, uh, public solicitation, for example, you could, you, I mean, I, the way I understand it, you can't be in a, say, a hotel banquet room and go, oh, by the way, I'm producing a movie, anybody wants to talk about it, come and see me, because that in and of itself may uh, commit a security violation somewhere down the line. 
What most, what most securities offices require, uh, uh, they want to know that you have a pre-existing relationship with those who you are selling to. Now, pre-existing is a very loose term, but it, it, it's meaningful because they want to make sure that you're not just hammering people on the telephone that you don't have some connection with and or at least haven't been referred to. And, and and that's okay if you want to do a, a conference in a hotel room or a hotel, you know, whatever. If you want to do one of those, that's fine, uh, so long as the people that are invited are, are, are aware of why, why they're there. Uh, you don't want to do – you don't want to solicit on the Internet. That is a no-no. That is against most securities laws. You don't want to take out advertisements in newspapers or magazines. Um, there really are some restrictions. You need to learn what they are before you before you even embark on such a venture. Do you have um, any suggestions where where people can go additionally to get this kind of information? I mean, do they go to the, the exchange? Do they go to the entertainment attorney? I mean, if if they don't have an entertainment attorney, is there somewhere they can find out? Uh, what they need to do properly. I mean, uh, uh, above and beyond our discussion here. Well, I think I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, I, the first step would be to go to an entertainment attorney who's who specializes in securities, and okay. meaning meaning that he puts together he puts together private placement memorandums that are designed to raise money for an entertainment project. And you also you need to go to somebody that has that experience because they will know what the document needs to contain. This is also a person who, if you find yourself in hot water somewhere, is going to be the person that's going to cover your back. So it needs to be somebody, you know, skilled in in that arena. And again, I'm not trying to sell you my attorney, but Mark Richardson and and uh, Richardson and Associates in Santa Monica is probably the best in the business that I know. So and there are many others. I'm just telling you that uh, the first step would be. Yes, get a lawyer. Get a good one. It, it, it pays for itself down the road. You don't want somebody that has never done this before. You don't want to try to copy somebody else's offering without an attorney. That would be a mistake. So get somebody that really has some skills and understands what's at stake. Uh, again, excellent, excellent advice. In 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 how, how about finding money? I mean, is are there certain avenues that people can begin to explore? I mean, the hedge funds thing is different today, and you know, so many things have changed, and uh, and avenues that were open one time are closed, and new avenues I'm sure are opening up. But do you have any suggestions along those lines about? Because uh, you said 90% of your time will be spent finding the money. Are there are there well, a lot of things, have, and, and you know, I've been doing this for ten years, and, and in the last three years, particularly, a lot has changed because the economy has changed. But I would say this: if you, if there's a movie that you want to make, and it, let's say it has a certain subject matter, let's say it's about, uh, you know, uh, let's say that it's it's a movie that takes place uh, in a hospital, or you know, or it's it's sort of medically. You know, centric uh, to the story is, and, and 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 I would say this. Then maybe maybe what you want to do is 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 approach doctors, you know. Or in our case, we did uh, Heaven's Fall with Tim Hutton about a famous legal case in Alabama in 1932, uh -huh. and so we approached lawyers, and um, they became the bulk uh, in that particular instance of my uh, of my investment pool. So it really, I think you need to figure out who's most likely to buy the movie. Who's most likely to invest in it and go after that group of people? 
makes makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Well, let's talk a little bit about your movies then, because uh, No God No Master is based on a historical event, as was uh, Heaven's Fall. Um, almost Salinas, same thing. No, almost that- Salinas was uh, was sort of a coming of age story um, that I just, uh, from my imagination, uh, John Mahoney played a a man who lives in the middle of nowhere who's living with a deep, dark secret. And the backdrop of the, of the, of the movie was sort of the, the James Dean uh, legend. And so I created a, a film. This is important, I think, for first-time filmmakers. I created a film that could be filmed primarily, almost 85% of the film, in one location. We, we literally uh, built our location in the, in the, at 42 miles uh, uh, from Paso Rebels, California. We drove to the set every day, 42 miles each way. And uh, we could control that. And, and it also makes a lot of sense if you don't have a lot of money and you don't, you know, you don't have the, you don't have the expense then of having to move the camera uh, a lot. Um, you know, try to, try to find a story early on that you can contain. I think that's really, really important. And that's, and, 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 you know, we just shot a movie in Milwaukee, as you know, Rex, that had uh, over 40 locations that we shot in 24 days. So that's the opposite of the advice that I would, I would give a first-time filmmaker. Pick a story that you can, if it's shot in an apartment, fine, but just pick a, a story that has a central location so that you can control the expense of it. Awesome, awesome. Now, um, uh, the we're going to come back to, to these uh, again, but but uh, when you did, you know, you said with the Timothy Hunt movie, you know, you approached lawyers. How about No God, No Master? I mean, this is a, a historical event that happened in the United States, uh, in New York, in, in the in the twenties. How how who who did you approach regarding that, or if you can share that? Well, by by that time we had, you know, by the time we even started out um, to make the movie to finance the movie. No God, No Master. We had already amassed 500 investors, and, and several of them reinvested with us in that film. So that was the majority of that film. Uh, but you now we always needed new people, and again, it's about referrals and talking to people, and that's just an ongoing process. That's something that never, never stops. You just never stop looking for investors. That's the name of the game. Well, there's a in my other life as a as a as a as a public speaker, you know, there's the statement is is made that the sale is never made once the person purchases. The sale is made when they purchase again. So, you know, if you have people who invest and then they reinvest, I mean, those are those are people who who have found a reason to support you and and they found it worthwhile to do that. And that and that's cool. I mean, that that and I think that you're you know your advice from uh, up front. You know, uh, have a good pitch. Share. You know the the upside, the downside. You know, no, no. You know, your your goal should always be to protect your investors and return their money. And if you do that, they're more likely to invest again. I guess is what I'm is what I would get at. Yeah, and I, I that's absolutely true. I I would say this, however, that what they're really investing in once again is at the end of the day is the management team. It's they're investing in you, and they're investing your in your ability to deliver a product that you say you can deliver. And if you've done that a couple of times, it's much easier to go back to the well, so to speak. And so we we've got people that have invested with us four and five times, and a number of those, and it's because they've seen the work now. They've seen that we've you know produced some valid 
projects and that we, we're not, you know, we're movie makers. We're not just, you know, taking an 8-millimeter camera and going into the neighbor's backyard and shooting in the barn. And we're, you know, we're doing 35-millimeter, you know, super 35-millimeter films. I mean, this is, you know, with, with legitimate talent, and, uh, and that's a big part of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a process. Uh, oh, absolutely, and and again, the the point that you make is 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 an awesome point, and 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 one that I always come back to. This is, after all, is said and done a people business, and it's it's about who you know and who knows you, and the kind of relationships that you uh, create and maintain, and uh, and how you nurture those. And we're, apart from that, we are creatively manufacturing a product called movies or TVs or webisodes. But it is it is first and foremost a people business. There's no there's no doubt about it. I mean, we had uh, I think on No God No Master over a hundred of our investors sh- with their families showed up on set, and that's a big thrill for most of them. They really enjoy that. We some of them you know end up uh, as extras in background shots, and they hang out for two or three days. You know, they sit there right behind me in the director's chair and watch the monitor and, and, and have a lot of fun doing it. So you're not just appealing to someone's sense of, oh, I'm going to make some money. Because, you know, let's face it, at the end of the day, investing in a single movie is, is, is a pretty risky venture, especially if it's an independent film that's, you know, got to line up its own dis- distribution down the road and doesn't have it prearranged. So you, you're going to have to have relationships built uh, along the way so that people – you know, they're, they're going to come out there and, and have some fun, hopefully, and then also believe in the product and believe in the ability to, to, to hopefully make some money at some point in time. But it doesn't guarantee them that, but uh, that's, I think, what they're buying. They're really buying you. I, I think that's the truth at the end of the day. They're buying your ability to, to deliver what you say you can deliver, and when they see that, they're more likely to take another chance with you. Absolutely, absolutely, aptly put, uh, wonderfully put. Um, I'm going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to continue this discussion, and a a fascinating discussion it is. You are listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, and the official website is rexsikes.com. Again, we appreciate all of your comments and your support about blogs and articles and conversations. Please feel free to email me if you know of some event coming up anywhere in the world but leave me enough lead time to investigate it and get it up on the website in a timely fashion. Same about cast and crew listings and information. If you've got something that you're needing to cast your crew up on, uh, you can send it to me. I'll put it up, but I, I need that lead time. Uh, and if you have questions for my guests, you can always email them. Use the contact page at the website. Put the questions in the body of the email, the name of the guest and the subject header, and use that uh, contact. Uh, it's just an email. It's not a form. You have to fill out. It'll open up an email window. You just send it off to me, and uh, and we'll save those for our guests when they appear on the show. And now back to Mr. Terry Green. Terry, you know, um, just an aside, you did shoot the movie in Milwaukee, and uh, it was uh, uh, wonderful. I got to come down to the set uh, a few times during the shoot, and you transformed uh, one of our local streets from, uh, you know, the two th- well i i suppose from the the 20th century 21st century look of our streets back to the 1900s uh it was filled with old cars and horses and extras and cast all dressed uh, accordingly uh, it was fun it was thrilling to to see uh the city transformed and uh, and to watch uh you know uh 
a legitimate movie crew making a movie on our streets and in, in, and in the locations, and you did some special effects and, and some stunts and things. I mean, it was very impressive, and we were glad to have you here and excited to have you here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about No God, No Master, just in the background, because that's what your uh, backstory, because that's what you're uh, currently in post now, and, and tell us about the movie and, and, uh, and who's in it? Uh, the movie, uh, the movie is basically about uh, a, a bureau, United States Bureau uh, investigator who is who is sent on the trail um, to find uh, a group of anarchists that are sending bombs in the mail to some very prominent uh, politicians and entrepreneurs, and um, and among those is John Rockefeller and and the Attorney General of the United States. And um, basically, he lives in the neighborhood uh, of Little Italy in New York. And so that the, the scene you just described, uh, the, the, the street that we transformed was that, was that neighborhood. And, um, and so only to find, basically, that, uh, you know, there's a possibility that maybe the gov- government that sent him on this mission might be culpable. And, and the backdrop of that story is uh, is the story of Sacco and Vanzetti, the anarchists who were uh, accused and, and convicted of, of murdering a payroll clerk in Boston um, and uh, ultimately executed in 1927. They actually belonged to this anarchist movement. So I set out to tell a story about Sacco and Vanzetti, but I didn't want to make another courtroom drama like I did with Heaven's Fall. I, and then when I learned that these these two Italian immigrants had belonged to this group, uh, that became more interesting to me. So we explored that versus you know telling the, the courtroom drama of Sacco and Vanzetti. And, um, and and there are many parallels to sort of what's gone on you know in recent years in America with with uh, 9/11 and the overreaching of government and the disintegration of civil liberties and all of that so it's it's a bit of sort of you know history left unchecked repeats itself kind of story and a lot of people don't realize that uh, this story ever happened there was a a bombing uh, of Wall Street in 1920 um that killed 33 people uh, and it was uh it was a bomb that was set out in, in a horse and carriage in front of the the um uh, J.P. Morgan Company, and it went off at noon one day and um, killed 33 people. And at that time, was the deadliest act of terrorism on American soil until the the Murrah Building in Oklahoma City uh, was blown up many, many years later. And most Americans don't know that it happened. So that's right. basically where the story leads. And wow. it stars uh, Academy Award nominee David Strathair, and many of you might remember him from. George Clooney's movie Good Night and Good Luck. He played uh, uh, he played uh, Edward, Edward R. Murrow, and uh, and I've worked with him now in two movies, and so it was a privilege to work with David again. And uh, you know, that's basically in a nutshell what the movie's about and who's in it. Well, and in addition, Eduardo Bellarini and Sam Whitmer yeah. and uh, Ray Wise, and uh, and Ray Wise is one of my favorites from Twin Peaks, and. Let's see, you know, so I mean, you, but and, and far more cast members and stuff. But but let me ask you this as an aside, and and that is, um, you know, your first movie you said you shot, you know, pretty much eighty five percent all in one location, and and you know it was far more con- maybe uh, maybe not. I mean, James Dean backdrop, it's not necessarily that contemporary, but but you have done these period pieces. Those last two movies are period pieces. With the trials and tribulations for you as a director producer to 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 make a period piece movie versus uh, something that you could just walk out into any street anywhere and 
and and shoot. It, uh, it's a di- yeah, it's a different it's it's a different approach to filmmaking. There's no doubt about it. I've done two of them now, and um, you know you have to be, you know you you have to frame your shots differently. You need locations, you need costumes, uh, you need picture cars. It's uh it's a very ambitious thing to do to set out for very low budget to make a, a period movie, especially if you're you know under ten million dollars say, and and so and we have been every time out. You, you're going to need to find some really good, uh, uh, you know, set designers. I mean, we, we have one in Billy Jett uh, who designed No God, No Master and put together all his beautiful sets, and Sean LeBlanc who did the costumes, over 600 of them. And I think we had access to over 70 uh, picture cars uh, from car clubs around the state of Wisconsin. So we were very, very fortunate to find what we needed in Wisconsin. And um, But it is a different approach to movie making if you're going to, tell a story that's not set in modern time. So, you know, it takes a little more planning, uh, and uh, and it is going to take a little more money. You can't do one of those for a million dollars. So, um, But it's doable. I mean, you know, it, it's just a matter of how you decide to approach the work. So, yeah, uh, and by the way, I didn't mean to leave out uh, Ray Wise or Eduardo or, or, or Sam. They all did wonderful work in this picture. I know you're going to interview... You've already interviewed Sam, and you will be interviewing him again, and you will be interviewing Eduardo. And, and uh, right. these are these are really fine actors, and you'll recognize them, folks, if you if you just tune in. But uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, making period movies is a different, you know, kettle of fish. I I, I don't recommend it unless you're really, really going to be dedicated for a long period of time. It takes longer to put a period picture together, no doubt. Well, let me ask you about one of the things you said up front. You said you have to frame your shots differently. Uh, how so? I mean, well, what I mean basically is, you know, you might set. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm saying you mean to to exclude the the pieces that aren't part of the yeah. period piece, or or yes. otherwise. Yeah, you you just can't. You know, you're going to have stoplights and 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 neon uh-huh. lights and windows and 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 all kinds of modern wires and everything you can imagine. So. You've got to find locations that, you know, hopefully eliminate that for you. And we found a great one up in uh, Milwaukee, which was the old Pabst Brewery, which is under renovation but is still in kind of an old archaic sort of state. And we shot there for six days, and it looks like a back alley of an old warehouse district. It was, it was just gorgeous on film. So you've got to, you've got to, your locations uh, scouting is going to take you a considerable amount of time if you're if you're doing a period uh, drama and 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 that's also why we came to Milwaukee because they have they have those locations it's not a young city it's a, it's a city that you know at the turn of the century had some of the same architecture that we needed so that's why we came there awesome well you know i i like i said i was fortunate to come down to the set a, a, a number of times in the front end of the movie and be on Brady Street in the different neighborhoods and see, you know, some of the the, the the explosion stunts and stuff. But but I saw the photos from the Villa Terrace and they just look stunning. Uh, the Villa Terrace on the lakefront there. Yeah, we shot uh, we, we shot that. Um, uh, there was a place in the Battery in New York called Castle Clinton. It's now where they process. Well, it's now where you take tours to go out to Ellis Island. But back then it was where they process immigrants. And um, in the case of our film, uh, which covers the Palmer Raids of 1919, where 
uh, uh, Mitchell Palmer, the Attorney General of the United States, was uh, intent, along with the young J. Edgar Hoover, were intent on arresting suspected radicals, and they used uh, Castle Clinton. This is sort of the reverse process to export, if you will, uh, um, <laughs> detainees. And their 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 concept of justice was just arrest everybody that's a suspect and ship them out and deport them. And he attempted to do that and succeeded for a little while until the Department of Labor st stepped in and put a stop to it. But the location you're speaking of along the lakefront there uh, doubled for us as Castle Clinton, where all of these uh, um, all of these immigrants were brought and detained for several months, many of them, until they were finally released. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, I'm going to ask. I'm going to go back and ask you uh, about your filmmaking. Uh, career. I mean, starting off when I when I said how'd you become a filmmaker? Because this is the third picture, your second period piece. Uh, you know, obviously done. You know, for millions of dollars, shot on film, and and you said, well, you know, I came to it late. I didn't go to film school, kind of thing. I, you know, I um, so uh, your first movie. I mean, you know, almost see how, how do you how do you go from 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 where you were to suddenly directing one movie and then and then. Through it all, your your ninety percent of your time is spent raising money. So, <laughs> can you can you give us more of your career path? How you got from uh, out of the gate from deciding I want to uh, get this movie made that I've written, and how you and how you did that? Well, I think I think from a creative standpoint, I, I have to go back to my my training in the theater. I was I was you know uh, I was very fortunate to to you know, understand storytelling early on, you know, because I was exposed to, you know, classic, you know, drama. And, and I think that's, you know, in playwrights. And so that was a big part of that sort of jump into film for me is that, uh, is that I had a story I knew I wanted to tell. And that, that is the advice I think I would give any aspiring filmmakers. Have a story worth telling. Have a story that has, you know, characters that are memorable because at the end of the day, people will walk out of the theater remembering the characters, not so much maybe the story even, and that's that's a big part of it. So, you know, if it's have something that's not a kitchen sink drama that's just, you know, four guys in a room, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think the problem I see with most uh, uh, first-time filmmakers is they're not telling stories that resonate or that you know that have any real longevity and i and i think that you have to be very careful about what it is you choose to make a movie about and if it's just about you know a conflict between a brother and a sister that's fine but it better it better shed some new light on on, on brother sister conflicts because you know we, we, every story's been told let's face it and it's how you tell it and it's the style of you know that you choose to tell it in and and so for me, it was it was a natural transition to go from theater storytelling to film storytelling. And and again, I didn't have any experience, so I didn't know how necessarily to you know I didn't know the protocol on set. That didn't change how I work with actors. And if anything, that really was my strength. I knew what what actors were going through. I knew what the process was. That that's probably is my strength. Is that I know how to cast a film and I know what 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 good acting is. So. And that's a huge, huge part of this whole process. So that's, and, that's and I, started. No, no, and I, and I want to continue to discuss uh, that, you know, uh, and, and I've, I've mentioned to the audience that we're going to talk about, you know, finding material or stories and and uh, what makes a good screenplay and, and, and finding your actors and casting. And that. But, but, but and, and that's great. I mean, the, 
the, the point that you made about the theatrical background and working with actors and having been an actor and knowing knowing how to direct an actor, but 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 still you're now you're the protocol on set and now you've got a camera and you've got a cinematographer. How, how, what was the process like for you now actually capturing that story uh, on film and then and then going through the process of of working you know with an editor or piecing it together? I mean. Well, on your first film, you're you're learning. I mean, I don't care who you are, how much experience you have. You're you're learning as you go, and the best thing you can do is surround yourself with experienced professionals that have done this often, uh-huh. and that's what that's what we did. And so, and, and by the way, there's never you'll look back if if you get a chance to make three or four movies, and you know, and that's not very many. But if you look back, you'll never have a better experience than the first movie that you ever do, whether you knew anything or not. Um, because there's just something magical about making your first movie. It, it never uh-huh. gets better than that. But um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just know this. There's there's a lot of instinct involved. There's a lot of how you manage, you know, dealing with, with just human nature, and, and I think that's a big part of it. I mean, because I started late, Rex, I think I had already lived – you know what 38 years so it wasn't like a mystery to me uh, how to tell the story uh, you know right. the technical the technical aspect of it was a bit of a mystery to me so i just made sure that the people i surrounded myself then knew what they were doing and since that time i've learned the technical so and i kind of laughed at some of the things i did on my first picture now having made three movies and thought oh uh, my gosh I, I can't believe i did that and 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 you just you just uh you do a lot of listening. <laughs> you know, directing isn't uh, what people think it is. Uh, directing isn't giving directions. Directing is, is, is a good observer and a good, you know, uh, just a good listener and, and somebody who, who can weigh the situation on the spot and, and understand the human side of it. And, and I think that's what good acting is as well. It's, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's something that most people don't really have a clue. In fact, there are a lot of directors in the business that haven't a clue how to work with an actor. And if, if you start there and you have a visual sense and put those two things together, you've got a pretty good chance. But uh, I, I would say this. You need to understand the process eventually of everybody that's involved in the movie making from, from you know, behind the cameras all the way through editing. And editing is its own thing. They say you make a movie, and you've heard this many times, three times, when you write it, when you direct it, and when you edit it. And that's, that's very, very true. And you also just have to be prepared to make changes on the spot because what you think is, you know, a great line or, or something that's in the script that you've written that just has to be in the movie may not even end up in the final cut. So, you know, you need to be flexible, I think, and, uh, and realize that it's a collaborative process. It's not you and a brush and a canvas. It's you and 300 people, you know, before it's all over with. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a different journey. So uh, uh, a wonderful answer. The, the, uh, but, again, the, the notion of going from your background to, say, just starting pre-production, how did you – you said, I, I guess the question I'm asking is you had this screenplay you wanted to write, and did you just by yourself go, I'm going to go find an attorney and, and create this LLC, and then from there cast and crew up and find the people who were going to help you with pre-production, or what were the kinds of steps that you took first to assemble the team, you know, to investigate and assemble the team that, that ultimately became, you know, your right and left hands. Oh, and speaking of which, you know, Curtis is also going to be a guest on the show coming up, uh, I believe, in March, maybe April. Curtis Smith was the first AD on No God, No Master. So, um, But, but um, you know, you're... 
your producers, your 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 uh, line producers, your product, you know, all the people who are going to be involved in in your first eighties that would be involved in pre-producing. Um, you know, your in first my films. case, in my case, I went to a festival in Breckenridge, Colorado, and I met a producer, a really great young producer named Wade Danielson, who was uh, who had a film at the festival at the time, and I. I was a guest of a friend of his, and I, I approached Wade and said, I've got a movie I, I want to make. Would you be interested in producing it? And it just started from there. So producers are out there that can do this. I mean, it's not, you know, they're, they're, you just have to hook up with one that you, you can trust and that you work well with. And uh, we can have a whole other show on what, what a good producer does and doesn't do. But, okay. but, uh, but uh, that's basically how I started. And then I, because I was part of the Chicago theater community, I knew I wanted John Mahoney in my picture. And I had a friend who was a playwright who was also an actor who was in a show at the Steppenwolf Theater with John at the time. And I asked him if he wouldn't mind showing John my, my, uh, my script. Of course, he, he agreed to that. And then a couple of weeks went by and, I asked my friend, I said, hey, has he read the script? He goes, oh, I don't know. He's got a stack of scripts in his dressing room. And I said, well, could you, you think you might be able to get mine closer to the top of the stack? <laughs> cool. And he went in He went in and said, hey, have you read that script? And John, now telling me the story years later, said, yeah, the guy came in and a couple, two or three times, and I figured I'm doing the show with him. I, I, I should read his friend's script. And he he read it, and he told me after the second page that he wanted to do it. So he called me and said, I want to do your movie, but he said, I can't do it when you want to do it. And then we just started to talk about scheduling from that point forward, and I was very fortunate to get John Mahoney, who's, you know, five-time Emmy uh, you know, nominee and a member of the prestigious Steppenwolf Theater Company in Chicago. So I was very, very, very lucky to get out of the gate with the cast that I had in the first film. Uh, but, you know, actors are looking for good material, and I think that's a big part of it. If your script appeals to an actor, he's approachable. It's, it's possible. Uh, again, excellent. And, and I want to remind the listeners that we're going to come back uh, a, a number of times, actually. Probably. We're going to talk about, again, story and, uh, you know, making that good screenplay something that might appeal to uh, talent and then securing talent and working with actors. I mean, we've got, we've got so much that, that, that Terry and I can discuss. I do want to stop, though, and, and just – uh, read a comment from the chat room that uh, is a remark to you that says, seeing some of the production shots uh, of No to God, No Masters, I think this will be as beautiful to look at as Heaven Falls, which was a stunning-looking movie, and I'm really looking forward to this. And that comes from Adrian. Well, that's a, that's a very nice uh, remark, and I was very fortunate for three movies I've worked with a director of photography named Paul Sanchez, and uh, Paul knows how to shoot a movie, and uh, that's really a compliment to him. Uh, this is a beautiful-looking picture, and, uh, you know, again, you surround yourself with great people, and you'll end up with great product. Well, that's very sound advice. We've got about seven minutes left, and, uh, you know, rather than starting off on a topic that we can't give a whole lot of time to, but, uh, but maybe we should, uh, you know, begin um, – the notion of, uh, you know, how do you choose the story content of your films? You know, and we'll go with that, and we'll have to continue at another time. But but picking the material, um... I, I, you know, for me, it's I think it's different for everybody, and 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 I go through different stages. I mean, I've gone now from making movies about you know history pieces to I've actually gone kind of transitioning back into playwriting a little bit and telling more personal stories, but. 
But uh, I think, you know, first of all, it has to resonate with you. I mean, if, if you're not going to get excited about it, then it's never going to get done. And you're going to have to stay excited about a, a screenplay and a project for maybe three or four years. And that's not an easy thing to do. So first, the first thing is it has to resonate with you. You have to have a burning desire to tell that story for whatever reason, personal or not. And if you do that, it's most, more, more than likely it's going to – you know, you're, it's going to come off on the page as, as something that's that's real. I think the passion that you that you you know the passion that you use to tell the story is every everything. I, I we can have that discussion later too. But that to me, it's sure. all about great story is what great film is about in the end. I mean, we, we we that's why we go. We hope that we we will hear and see a great story. Absolutely true. Now, uh, John Mendoza, who's a guest on the show the other day. Uh, he's been on before too. He's uh, a funny man and, and an insightful man. Said, you know, everybody thinks they're funny. Every, everybody thinks that they tell a good story or a good joke, you know. And and if and I we use the analogy of two people sitting on a bench. One, you know, I said, you know, if I were sitting on the bench, with John, I might go look at some some external event and go, oh wow. Uh, and and John, being the comedian, actor, comedian, might look at it and have a funny remark because he sees it somehow differently. But his point was. We both probably would think that the comment we would make about it could be funny. That you know. So the question about writing, I mean, to segue back, you know, uh, I think all of us think we're good writers. In some cases, we know that we're not, but but you know, we think we've got a story that's important. How do we kind of self-evaluate? And and also, I think, and, and this is good. I get to ask you this, uh, in that, you know, every director who's, I guess, a writer or or director might think that their film has to be a certain way how flexible do you have to be you you earlier said well some maybe a line won't work or or you know you've got to be able to change it um so when it comes to editing you work with an editor or you know i mean uh, how do you how do you stay flexible you know and not by one's own bs i guess is 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 the uh question i'm asking I think you you know I think the answer the the short answer is you just have to you listen to that inner voice you get some good feedback before you even start filming you make sure that you've got something that's worth filming by trusting you know the friends and, and associates that you have who perhaps read your script but then I think the most important thing is you have to remain flexible throughout the process and realize that even a screenplay is is a, is a, is a you know it's a, it's an ever changing entity even when you're directing it it changes and then it changes in the editing room and you just can't get married to one idea or one thought because you know you want you need to focus you need to know what your movie's about or nobody else will know but I think you need to go into it understanding that it is growing even as you're doing it and it doesn't mean that it's set in stone now the best thing you can do i think early on is to try to get your screenplay as tight as you possibly can and if you have to have it read 50 times then have it read 50 times because and listen to the input really listen even if it's from somebody who has no experience in film i mean people that go to movies aren't filmmakers they're they're people who want to be told a story and they'll often tell you whether your story is valid or not so a lot of it is in pre-production. I mean, we, I spent a year and a half uh, doing probably 50 different drafts of No God, No Master with our producer, Tom DeSanto, before I ever even set out to make the movie. So, you know, that's that's really my advice is that is that don't get married to a single idea and be stubborn about it. Be flexible. Uh, that's excellent because I also I've encountered numerous filmmakers recently who, you know, they've, they've, they've made their first or second film and – 
you know, I've seen their rough cuts, or, you know, or I've been at a screening with it, you know, and they ask for advice, and you go, you know, it'd be good at 90 minutes. 90 minutes, you know, you probably sell it to TV, and it's a good movie, but it's 145 minutes, you know, and it's, or it's, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, and and they go, that's just the way it is. Now, that's a big mistake, and I've, I've run across a lot of filmmakers like that at festivals, and the reason their movies don't go to don't get distributed sometimes is the difference between 115 and 108. I mean, literally, and, and they won't right. cut that last seven minutes. And so you just, you, you know, you just can't, you have to, especially if, if you're obligated to investors, you've got to figure out a way to get your movie into a sellable form. I mean, this is a business too. This is not just let's go have fun and make a movie. You really have to, to weigh all of those things. And I think that, uh, you know, for those people that think that, you know, they've got a 145-minute movie and that that's something somebody wants to see, they, they just haven't been to the movies lately. So, uh, you know, uh, so you have to be, yeah, I, and it's, it goes without saying. So, uh, yeah, again, flexibility. Well, and I think the other thing is, is genre, too. If you've got a, you know, a three-hour horror flick, it just probably isn't going to go, you know, but if you, you know, or even an hour and 45 minutes. But anyway, uh, those are excellent, excellent points, and I, and I certainly appreciate you uh, being here and taking the time uh, to be here today. We've, we've got about a minute, minute and a half left. I do want to give you the final word, but you've shared so much, and you're going to come back, and uh, we've got you uh, for – uh, I got to look at my calendar. We're going to be back in March, and I'll make the announcement. But I believe it. We just said March 26th. It's a Friday. I know you'll be back in LA at that time. Um, so uh, you got a minute and a half, Jerry. Any any final words that you want to no. say for today? No, I, I don't want to wax too ph- philosophical here. But I would just say <laughs> if you if you're if you're looking to make movies and you've not, never made one, and this is a new business for you. Just know that it's exciting, it's fun, it's going to have its ups and downs, it's got its rocky roads. You know, you just have to be sort of aware of that going in and not let anything, you know, deter you from doing what you set out to do. And I think it's a lot about just perseverance. You just, there's just no way to do this by being casual about it. You really do have to go out and and you've got to be hungry and you've got to, uh, you know, do all those things your teacher told you to do early on. You know, you're going to go have, you have to go make your own career. And I'm not a guy who took the easy, you know, the, the, the regular path. I didn't go down the commercial road. I don't have an agent, you know. So I, I had to figure out another way to do it. And, I, and then there is another way. There are many ways to do it. There's not just one or two or three ways. And I think that's, you know, the, the last thing I would say in these last few seconds, is just follow your heart. Just don't give up, and eventually it will it will happen uh, if you just believe in it and don't give up. It's really that simple. Awesome words, awesome words, and I sure appreciate all of your insights and all of all of the conversation that we've had today. And uh, again, I know you're going to be back, but in the meantime, have a fabulous rest of the day, an incredible weekend as it comes up. Uh, uh, good luck with all of your travels back and forth as, as you do the things that you continue to do. And um, uh, But thank you for being here, Terry, and, and we'll resume uh, shortly. And uh, again, I've got uh, lots of questions, and we've got lots of shows that we could do. So uh, I'm really Well, thank you, Rex. It was a real pleasure. I look forward to to the next time. All right. See you then. Thank you. 
Awesome. Well, again, thanks to Terry Green. No God, No Masters. He's working in post on that right now. Uh, Heaven's Fall is a movie that you can find. I, uh, I watched it again not that long ago on, uh, I believe, Showtime or Cable, one of the shows. Uh, Almost Salinas, uh, check into those. And, uh, again, I want to thank you, uh, my listeners and readers of Movie Beat. We've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned. And please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and your contacts. Retweet about my guests. Retweet about this interview. Post it on your Facebook walls and MySpace. Share it. Let other people know, because then they, too, can benefit from the information that is uh, dispensed uh, expertly from my expert uh, professional filmmaker guests. So, and remember, you can become a member of Rex Sykes Movie Beat, the Facebook group and the fan page, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>